Good morning, everybody. This is the first in-person worship service I have been in since the first Sunday of March. Boy, do you look good. I've been, I, I was driving up here, I, I, I think I've met all of you now, um, but in, in case you don't know who I am, um, I, my name's Tim and I'm district superintendent over the Wesleyan Churches of Iowa and Minnesota. I live about three hours from here. Got up, left the house about 6.30 this morning and I felt like I was a kid driving to Disney World. <laughs> that I get, I get to be with people and worship God today. It's just fantastic. Um, yeah, I was supposed to be with you guys earlier. I can't remember what the date was. Obviously, COVID hit. We had to cancel that. And Pastor Paul and I were talking on the phone, and, and uh, we both wanted to reschedule. We decided we could kind of kill two birds with one stone and help him out a little bit. He had to be in uh, Rapid City this weekend uh, attending the, the wedding of a friend's son. Um, so here I am. So... Uh, but I'll have to give him a bad time about disappearing when I show up or something like that. So anyway, it's awesome being here. And, uh, and here we go. You know, we're we're quote unquote opening up again. And I, I've been, wow. I, I mean, okay, so three and a half months ago, probably most of us hadn't heard the word coronavirus, right? I mean, um, I still remember... You know, I still remember um, I, I had a district board meeting and then, you know, and everything was normal. And then the next week I had to go to Bartlesville, Oklahoma for the college's uh, board of trustees meeting. And while we were there, all of a sudden, you know, about that that second week of March, um, and all of a sudden as a district board, we were making decisions about whether or not students would come back to school after spring break and I thought, what in the world has happened? And and I had pastors calling me and saying, should we cancel service this Sunday? And, you know, and of course, by the next Sunday, we were all forced to cancel. And it's just been amazing, you know, and and people are all over the map on how they've responded to it. I mean, I get that. Um, but it's just remarkable how it's changed our, our lives and our relationships and the way we work and certainly the way we do church. Now, here's the thing. I have been, sorry, I, I'll get to my notes sooner or later. I have been incredibly proud of our churches on how they have um, had to figure out how to be the church when we can't gather as the church. Incredibly proud. Uh, for some of our churches, um, the adjustment wasn't as hard as others. You know, for others of our churches, um, just trying to figure out even how to get online and how, how to have a digital presence. Now, you have a tech-savvy pastor, and so you weren't as behind the curve as some. But it's just been amazing. And not only not only to get online, but just ways to serve our communities and, and to touch hurting people. I've just been so proud of us. But here's, my, here's, here's what I'm afraid of. Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that... In some cases, we may not be able to resist the temptation to go back to quote-unquote normal. Um, And in many cases, normal wasn't working very well. And coronavirus has forced us to do some stuff we probably, not probably, forced us to do some stuff we should have been doing anyway in terms of trying to figure out how to do uh, uh, discipleship digitally, 
how to have a, a stronger digital presence, how to have how to have an appealing digital presence, not just throwing up a camera and, you know, um, and, and our churches have made progress on that. And the thing is, as we regather, which I'm excited about, and, and digital will never replace gathering, right? But as we regather, I pray that we'll resist the temptation to replace our digital ministry with physical regathering. We, we need to leave the digital. Impl- anyway, but I'm, I'm proud of us. I, it's God's helped us. And uh, I'm excited to begin to meet together and, and who knows what's in the future except for God. And so I intend to walk hand in hand with him because he's he's the only one that knows the next step. Right. So, hey, I want to talk to you about discipleship this morning. Um, and and in particular, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, really trying to define what is a disciple. So, um, our great commission, Matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty, is what? Come on, some of you know this. Talk to me. We're all friends here. Is to what? Yeah. Now that's that's Mark's version of the great commission. Sorry to embarrass you. They're they're related, uh, but but Matthew says go into all the world and make something. Make what? Disciples. Make disciples. There you go. And and so uh, it's interesting to watch churches uh, get all creative and coming up with a statement of purpose and et cetera et cetera. But uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, you really don't need much of a statement of purpose beyond what you have in big, bold letters on the back wall of your sanctuary so that you can see it every time you leave the building. Make disciples. When was, well, I started to ask a silly question. When was the last time you even noticed that? Well, it's been at least the first part of March, right? Um, but but to make disciples. Go into the world and make disciples. Now, here... I'm just going to shoot straight with you. I don't, I don't know we've done a great job with that. Even in churches that are growing, um, I think we've made more religious consumers than we have disciples. And, and we find ourselves in church world competing for a shrinking pool of consumers. You know, and if you find ourselves, if we're not careful, standing our heads, trying to improve our show so that we can get our share of consumers to show up. I know I sound really snarky today, don't I? You know, it's been too long since I preached. I've got all this pent up stuff coming out. No, this has been a concern of mine because because we have this vision to make an impact, to start new churches, to figure out new ministries, to touch people where they live. And I'm just telling you, consumers aren't willing to do that. You know, a consumer, if I'm a consumer, the main question is, what's in it for me? You know, how are you going to minister to me? How are you going to take care of me? And for goodness sakes, you know, don't ask me to go serve. Don't ask me to go help start a church. Don't ask me to even change small groups. And and so I've really, this for the last couple of years especially, I, I just have have had this incredible, incredible burden. God, help us to make disciples. 
Um, okay, so that kind of begs the question: What is that? You know what? What what's a disciple look like? How how do we know when we've made one? How 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 would you answer that? This is this is a nice setting. I like this. We can talk to each other. How would you define what a disciple is? Anybody? What is a disciple? A follower? That's one of my points. Thank you. We can skip that point now. No. Follower? But even the word follow needs to be defined, doesn't it? You know? And so here's my concern. We in, in church world, we have all these religious words we use, and they're great words, but too often we don't take time to define. What, what is that really? You know, so, so we're going to do that this morning. And um, let me say this before we go on, and I think it's important for us to understand this. Um, salvation is instantaneous, Right? Um, when I am born again into the kingdom of God, it happens in a heartbeat. All right? When I receive forgiveness, when I receive the grace of God, I move from death to life, boom. Darkness to light, boom. It's instantaneous. But discipleship is a process. And Jesus did not tell us, listen, listen, listen. Jesus did not tell us to go and make converts. He did not tell us to go and make believers. That's the first step. But when somebody prays to receive Christ, we can't pat ourselves on the back and say our job is done. All right. So salvation is instantaneous. Discipleship is a process. So let's talk a little bit. Um, about what a disciple is. So what I did, I just, you know, I just did a search of the Gospels looking for what Jesus himself said about what a disciple is. And I came up with four kind of big picture ideas. Here's the first one. A disciple is a learner. Okay? You can use the word learner. You can use the word student. I use the word learner because some people are scared of the word student. You know, it kind of carries the idea of scholastic. And besides, Jesus used the word learn. Matthew 11, 28 to 30 is the passage. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Boy, here's another sermon screaming to get out, by the way. I'm tired, Jesus. I need rest. Okay, come to me and I'll put my yoke on you. What's a yoke for? It's for work, right? Okay, so there's another sermon. We'll do that another time. What in the world does he mean by that? Okay, I I can't resist it, okay? It's not work that makes us tired. It's frustration, you know? It's feeling like we're not getting anywhere in life. It's exhausting. And Jesus says, I invite you to come and be a part of something that really matters, And you'll find rest for your soul. There, I gave it to you. Um, You have to pay me double now. Um, Take my yoke upon you. And I'm having so much fun preaching. Um, 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So, so learning. Jesus says one of the things that should be happening in the life of a disciple, of a disciple is, is learning. In fact, the Greek word for disciple means learner, one who learns. Um, go and make disciples. In fact, in fact, it's built into the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. What's the next phrase? Teaching. Okay. Baptizing them, in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them. I read a great book on the subject of discipleship by an author named Preston Sprinkle. It's kind of a funny name. It's a great book, though. And he said this. He said, discipleship is more than learning, but it's never less. And a lot of people push back against the learning thing because we all understand that being a disciple of Christ is more than just filling our heads with knowledge. I just got to tell you, we're all friends here, right? We can be transparent. I've been in the church my whole life. I'm 64 now. I'm retirement age. I don't know how that happened. I'm not going to retire. If I, I mean, if I retired and was around home all the time, Dawn would have to leave me and nobody would blame her, okay? Um, I've been in the church literally my whole life. My dad was was a pastor. I began I began being a pastor at 22. And can I just be real honest? Some of the nastiest people I've known in my life have been some of the most knowledgeable. There I said it. They had all this stuff up here. But they never let it get to here. Okay, so if we're not careful, we push back against the knowledge thing. But the, 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 the point is not to push back against it. The point is to insist that discipleship is more than learning, but it starts there. You know? And as we let the learning get from our heads to our hearts. Okay? Now, here's, here's why learning is important, okay? Uh, learning is really the first step in any kind of genuine change, all right? Um, and here's how it works. Learning changes my thinking, okay? It changes the way that I think about something. It changes the way that I view something, which in terms, turn changes the way I feel, Okay. Which in turn, so so it changes my attitude. Um, Proverbs twenty three seven says, "As he thinks in his heart, so is he." Okay. And so learning changes the way I think, which changes the way I feel, which ultimately changes the way I behave. And and what we try to do, if we're not careful, we recognize some area in our life that needs to change. And we just grit our teeth and try to be change, change a behavior without changing the way we think. Have you ever tried to do that? And how does that work out for you? No, it does not. It does not. Okay? Um, so here's the thing. When we talk about learning, we're not just talking about head knowledge. We're talking about allowing God 
to change the way we think, which ultimately changes our behavior, changes our lives, um, letting the learning get from our heads to our hearts. Remember, remember um, what Paul said, the Apostle Paul? Not Paul Tillman or Motorcycle Paul, the Apostle Paul. Be transformed by how? The renewing of what? Okay, there you go. All right? Um, Matthew 22, Jesus said, The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And so let me just tell you this. A disciple is more than a student, but nevertheless. And if you're not loving God with your mind, you're not truly loving God. Okay? All right. So a learner. Secondly, a follower. Disciples, a follower. Mark 2, 13 and 14. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. So disciples, a follower. Now, like I said, though, we got to define that, Right? Because the word follow sounds pretty innocent. It sounds pretty tame. It sounds pretty innocuous. You know? Oh, I'll follow you, Jesus. That sounds easy enough. No, it's not. Let me suggest a couple of things that it means to follow when we follow Christ. First of all, it means to imitate. Remember the childhood game, Follow the Leader? It's a game of imitation. The Apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, follow me as what? As I follow Christ, okay? In the, in the game, follow the leader. One person is designated the leader. Everyone else has to do exactly what that person does if they're out of the game, okay? You imitate the leader. Boiled down to its simplest definition, although it's not a game, discipleship is living a life of following the leader, you know? Actually, remember the bracelets, WWJD? Yeah, it's actually, what would Jesus do? Now, here's the thing about following. I want you to get this. This is a crazy, powerful statement. A guy named Chris Hodges, who pastors a church in Birmingham, Alabama, said this. When you follow someone, you give up control of where you're going. I never thought about that exactly that way before, okay? Um, But I can't truly follow you and still control where we're going. If I'm following you, you control where we're going, right? Okay? And so that that puts some teeth in the word follow. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. That means I don't get to call the shots anymore, right? Okay, so it means to imitate, uh, but it also means to obey. We talk about following instructions, right? You need to follow instructions. And what do we mean by that? You need to obey the instructions. You need to do what the instructions say. So following. So, So a few months ago, our dishwasher gave up the ghost. And um, I thought about calling the repairman, but I told Dawn, I, I, I said, 
Google what the average life of a dishwasher is. Well, our dishwasher was already about five years past the average life. So I decided, yeah. So we went to Menards, picked one out. I'm kind of a handy guy. Took it home, installed it myself. It was awesome. I was so proud of myself till I got up the next morning and saw water all over the floor. <laughs> I immediately did two things. One, I turned off the water and cleaned up the mess. But what was the second thing I did? You know the answer to this. No, I looked at the directions, which I had not looked at when I installed the thing. I mean, how hard can it be, Right? Apparently harder than I thought. So anyway, we, we got it hooked up right, and, and we're all living happily ever after, and we're washing dishes. And uh, boy, are we thankful. We got four granddaughters with us for a week this week. And um, man, we raised four kids. I forgot how many dishes four kids produce. Zimmers are looking at me saying, don't be whining about four kids, you big baby. <laughs> So to be a follower of Christ is not only, uh, it, it means not only to imitate his example, but to obey his words. Okay? And again, um, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what? Everything I've commanded you. All right. So. Okay, so here's, here's, here's a third thing I discovered. Uh, <clears throat> so a disciple is a learner, a disciple is a follower. The third thing, just in scouring the Gospels, a disciple lives in genuine community. Okay? This has been, the hard thing about this COVID thing is we've, we've had to figure out how to have community, right? And I have lived on Zoom for three months. Uh, and I'm a Zoom zombie. Um, but you know what? I've discovered I can... It's not as good as this, but I've discovered I can have community that way. You know? Our pastors have been getting together, break out into these cool little breakout rooms, pray for each other. It's legit community. Not as good as face-to-face, but it's legit. A disciple lives in genuine community. Um, John 13, 34, and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By, all, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. Ooh. How do we do there? Not so good, I'm afraid, sometimes. Um, How do you love one another? Here's the point I want to make. Don't try to become a disciple in isolation. It will not work. Okay? Okay? In fact, it can't work because God created you to be in relationship. He designed Christianity to be lived in relationship. 
in, in community, in authentic uh, accountability, safe spaces where we can share our struggles and, and lean on each other and get help, not judgment. Scripture is clear. We have to have other people in order to grow. You can go clear back to Proverbs in the Old Testament. Proverbs 27:17, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Colossians 3:16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. doesn't say as you show up and sit down and let Pastor Paul teach and admonish you. That's part of it. As you teach and admonish one another. Okay. A couple of things about these relationships, though. First of all, they have to be intentional. Um, and when I say intentional, I mean primarily two things. First of all, we have to carve out time in our schedules. Because you know and I know that if I don't control my schedule, my schedule will control me. You know and I know that, that we find time for what we really truly believe is important, right? Okay, so I got to carve out time. If, if, I, if I say community is important to me, it's got to go on the calendar. I think that's why small groups are so important. Um, I was listening to a podcast on the way up here today talking about, okay, what, what should change after uh, COVID? And uh, this guy was talking about the fact before COVID, um, our small group was meeting every other week. COVID forced us to meet via Zoom. And what we've discovered is we could connect with each other way more often. So we're not giving up our other every other week meeting, but in the off weeks, we're still connecting on Zoom. I think that's kind of a cool idea. And just touch base. Okay? That's, in, that's, that's the kind of intentionality that I'm talking about. We've discovered that it's intentional connect, so let's do it. Let's, let's make it work. Intentional but I, I, don't, I don't mean just carving out time. I, I also mean being intentional about connecting um, with mutually, in mutually beneficial relationships. Okay? I think, I think everybody ought to be in deep relationship with somebody who's ahead of them and somebody who's behind them. And probably someone who's alongside them. But how can I learn from you? How can I connect with you so you help me along? But how can I help you along? I think you need to be intentional about those kinds of relationships. So anyway, relationships not only need to be intentional... They have to be authentic, okay, real, deep. Um, you know, this, I'm trying to figure out how to word this and be nice, but too often, I see Christian people who aren't really all that interested in connecting as they are with impressing. You know, 
Let me let me impress you with how spiritual I am. Let me impress you with what I know. Um, and and I just listen. I've just seen I've just seen too many examples of churches where it's not safe to be transparent. You know, my my wife was in a ladies' Bible study just a few uh, years ago. She came home and announced to me, I'm not going back. What happened? And uh, during the prayer request time, how can we pray for you? And one of our kids was going through something, and, and she said, I'm really worried about one of our sons. Would you pray with me about that? And um, one of the ladies looked at her and said, well, worry's a sin, you know. Boy, that helped. Thank you for that. I just feel lifted up and encouraged now. That's going to help me not to worry. You know, and I just I just seen that kind of stuff too much, you know, and come on, let's make let's make our churches safe. Okay? Okay, so so we got one more. So what do we have so far? Let's review. We don't have notes or a PowerPoint today, so we have to put on our listening ears. What do we have so far? A disciple is learner, follower. Well, lives in authentic community or relational. Yeah, okay. Here's the last one. Disciple is a reproducer. Um, we, we're using the phrase a lot these days that we want our churches um, <clears throat> to be places filled with disciples who make disciples, okay? And indeed, I, I don't think I can honestly say I'm a disciple unless I'm involved in making a disciple. And that's a... That, that's a biblical condition, a, a biblical definition that we haven't applied much before. You know, we've... We've uh, limited our definitions of discipleship to things like knowledge and behavior. Okay, I, uh, I'm reading my Bible and I'm living a moral life. I'm a disciple. No, the thing we have to understand is that discipleship is as much about mission as it is morality. Okay, it's not just being a better behaved person. It's being on mission. Well, here's, here's what John 15, 5 through 8 says. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. What's it say? Showing yourselves to be my what? Disciples. You know? So outright, Jesus said, you know, two of the most visible proofs of discipleship is how you love each other, but also if you bear fruit. Um, Reproduction. Are people more like Christ because of my influence? Are there people who have been led into relationship with Jesus because of me? 
A disciple is a person who is on mission. It's about loving and serving others so we can earn the right to tell them about Jesus. Um, And I just got to tell you, that's uh, inconvenient. Uh, I've got a buddy named Donnie. He, uh, I have horses. And I met Donnie. He came out to shoe my horses and we started talking. And, and uh, we kind of hit it off. Until um, he found out I was a pastor and that about blew the whole thing. And I assured him, I said, Donnie, I know all, I I used to lay brick for a living, I know all the words, so you just be yourself, bud, okay? Um, Donnie called me the other day, and he lives like 30 miles from me. And it, it was late in the evening, he wanted me to come over and help him move a refrigerator. I did not want to drive 60 miles round trip to help him move a refrigerator. But I did. Because I want to be able to speak into his life. And I can't speak into his life if he doesn't know I love him. It's inconvenient, people, to be a disciple. One more, one more important thing about this reproduction thing is that you can't reproduce what you're not. Consumer Christians cannot make a disciple. I don't know a lot about horticulture, but I know that cherry trees produce cherries. They don't produce something they're not. They don't produce apples. So if we aren't consistently doing those first three things, learning, following, and living in community, we won't be able to do the fourth one, which is to reproduce. So listen, I'm about done. Um, Take a moment and lay your life alongside these four things. And just ask yourself, am I a learner? Let me rephrase it another way. If I asked you to write down some new insight from God's word that you've learned in the last two weeks, would you be able to? Am I a learner? Am I a follower? Does my life, I'm not talking about perfection But does my life model consistent obedience? Am I I living in authentic community with other believers, not just saying hi and bye in church? But am I in relationships that are real and authentic? And am I reproducing? Is there somebody in my life right now that I'm praying for to lead to Jesus? Is there someone behind me? They maybe know Christ, and I'm helping them along. So if you don't like the answer you come up with to any of those, and you find yourself saying, you know what? 
I need to get serious about discipleship. I just want to leave you with two parting words, and here they are. First of all, the word is commit. Commit. Because a disciple does habitually what others do occasionally. That's a great phrase, by the way. A disciple does habitually what others do occasionally. If you become a disciple, it won't happen accidentally. It'll be because you commit yourself to the process. Commit is the first word. Connect is the other one. Don't try to become a disciple alone. Discipleship is always relational. You know, as things are opening up, if you're not in a small group, get in one. Um, get with your friends and plan some kind of project to serve the community. Um, commit, connect. Let me pray for you. And I think we've got another song. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this privilege that I have had today to worship um, here at Hartwood Church. And I've been so excited to begin meeting with our churches again and begin connecting with our family across this two-state area. And it has been a genuine joy. Even though the seating is different and we kind of have to scatter out, we're still together. And we can still look in each other's eyes and we can still smile and we can still elbow bump and we can still pray for each other. And I'm grateful. And I pray, Lord God, that you would call us into deeper discipleship with you, deeper relationship with you. And as you do that, as you do that, show us how to make disciples, not just not just learn stuff ourselves and not just improve as a person, not just become more moral, although we'd like to do that. Because if we don't do that, we don't have a voice to speak into the lives of others. Show us how to be disciples. Show us how to make disciples. I pray over Heartwood Church, Lord God, as now we're meeting together and we'll be phasing into opening up. I pray that you'd protect us. I thank you for your protection and healing over a couple of folks in this congregation that, that has had that dreaded virus and has lived to tell about it. Thank you for that. Thank you that you have healed them. Lord God, help us to know how to impact the multiplied thousands and thousands of people who are within just a little ways of this building. Help us to understand that they're not just going to show up at our building, but that we have to find ways to touch people where they are. Show us how to do that. And help us to love the people you died for enough that we're willing to do that. Now I pray that you'd be with Pastor Paul and Jennifer and the girls and bring them back to us safely. 
perhaps a bit renewed and a bit restored just from getting away and connecting with old friends. Thank you again. First of all, for salvation. For grace. Thank you for purpose that you give us. Thank you for this incredible privilege of walking with Jesus. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Thanks.